Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for another opportunity to have this meeting. We thank you for how far you have helped us. We thank you for the understanding that you are giving to us. We commit our meeting today into your hands. We ask that you teach us by your spirit, that your name be glorified in our lives. At the end of everything, Lord, may we have cause to celebrate you again. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Haggai chapter 2, verse 3 to 9. Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now in comparison with it? Is this not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, and the sea and dry land. And I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. May the Lord bless you of his word, in Jesus' name, Amen. In these verses of scripture, we see that God is addressing those who had seen the former temple. These are people who had seen Solomon's temple and the glory of that temple. And so God asks them, how do you see this temple now? Is it not in your eyes as nothing? But in verse 9, he says, I want you to know that the glory of this temple, which in your eyes looks as nothing, shall be far greater than the glory of the former temple. God is here making a comparison between the glory of Solomon's temple and the glory of Zerubbabel's temple. When we look at the former temple, that's the Solomon's temple, we observe certain things about that temple. In terms of size, it was 30 meters by 10 meters by 15 meters high. In other words, it was about six floors high. And then it had side rooms that were three floors high. And there were rooms on each floor, which was a kind of technology that would have been magnificent in Solomon's day. The entire temple was overlaid with pure gold. The cherubims over the mercy seat were made of gold and they were five meters high and their wings when they touched each other from one wing end to the other wing end was five meters in width the whole temple itself was completed in seven years but when the bible discusses zerubbabel's temple it did not make any statement about the magnificence of that temple in fact the bible says that when the foundation of that temple was laid, the old men who had seen the former temple began to weep. To these older people, there was nothing remarkable about this new temple in comparison to the former temple. And that is what made God to say to them that, you think that this temple is not as glorious as the former temple, but I tell you, this temple that you are building is going to be more glorious than the former temple. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 28 to 29, that the wildflowers that grow by the roadside are more glorious than Solomon in the fullness of his glory. How can one be comparing the glory of a wildflower that is growing by the roadside and the glory of Solomon, the glory that made the queen of Sheba to lose heart? So today we want to try and have an understanding of glory. Let us begin by asking the question, what is glory? Glory means beauty, brightness, brilliance, magnificence, majesty, honor, splendor, something that is weighty, worthiness, 
or value, something that is valuable. So when we talk of glory, we are talking of something that attracts you towards it. We are talking of something that stands out from every other thing around it. But when it comes to assessing the two glories, that is the glory of the Temple of Solomon and the glory of the temple that Zerubbabel was building, we have two different assessments. From a human perspective, Solomon's temple, which is the former temple, far outshined Zerubbabel's temple, the latter temple. But from God's perspective, Zerubbabel's temple far outshined Solomon's temple. There has always been a problem between how men assess the things that God assesses. Sometimes we clap in excitement for some things, and yet God is not excited about those things. Sometimes we are saddened by some things, and yet God is excited about those things. It tells us that the assessment of man is not the same as the assessment of God. Therefore, if we are to assess glory, we must look at it from the standpoint of God. For example, glory in scripture is determined by God. What men call glorious may not be what God is calling glorious. The Englishman says beauty is in the eye of the beholder. We can change that and say glory is in the eye of God. So for us to understand glory in scripture, we must look at things from God's perspective. For example, the Bible tells us that when Samuel went to the house of Jesse to anoint a king, he looked at Eliab, the first son, and saw the height of Eliab and thought that because Eliab's height was comparable to King Saul's height, that this was the chosen person. But God told Samuel, do not look on his physical stature or his height because God does not look the way you look at things. God said to Samuel that you look at the outward, but I look at the inward. So while Samuel was looking at the height, God was looking at the heart. There are many things we do not understand when we look at something. We say this is glorious, but when God looks deep into the heart of that thing, God says this is rotten, corrupt, and dangerous. For example, the Lord Jesus Christ said that the people of Israel were painting tombstones and making the tombstones look bright. But inside those tombs, they were housing the bones of dead men, rotten, smelling things. So when it comes to understanding glory, we must understand that God is not just looking at what we can see with our eyes. God is looking at something that is more than what we see with our eyes. We get excited by the gold that is in the temple, but God is looking at the heart of the worshippers in that temple. We get excited by the size of the crowd in the meeting, but God is looking at the heart of the people who have organized that meeting. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 27, the Bible says, Christ in you is the hope of glory. In other words, without Christ in a man, there is no glory in that man. It is Christ in you that gives the hope that you will be glorified with God in eternity. So it is the presence of God in a temple that makes that temple glorious. Once God showed Ezekiel how he was departing from the temple. He was departing from that temple because of the idolatry that was taking place in that temple. So Solomon's temple had lost its glory long ago. First, the builder of that temple, Solomon, went and acquired 1,000 wives. And those women turned the heart of Solomon away from serving God. In fact, idolatry began from the reign of Solomon. As far as God was concerned, his glory had already been stained in the reign of Solomon. 
which was why it didn't mean anything to God when Nebuchadnezzar came and destroyed the temple and cutted away the items that were in that temple. In Psalm 51 verse 11, David prayed and said, Take not your Holy Spirit away from me. Because David understood that once the Holy Spirit departs, he is nothing. In the same way, we must understand that if the Holy Spirit is not present in our meeting, our meeting is just a social gathering. If our meetings must have meaning, the Holy Spirit must be present in those meetings. And if the Holy Spirit is going to be present in our meetings, we must live a life of holiness and be sanctified. So what was it that made the glory of the latter temple greater than the former temple? It was the presence of God in the latter temple. Indeed, God said to them, I will give peace in this place. God was telling them that he will be with them. Thus, the glory of that temple was going to be more glorious than the former, regardless of the fact that its size may have been smaller and it may not have had gold or any of the other ornaments that the former temple had. If we look at the example of Lazarus and the rich man, we saw how Lazarus was like a filthy beggar in, on the earth and the rich man fed sumptuously and lived gloriously. But when we got to the other side, to eternity, the rich man was in hell and Lazarus was in the bosom of Abraham. In human understanding, the rich man was a glorious man. But in the assessment of God, Lazarus was the one that was glorious. And that was because God looked at the heart of Lazarus and saw his glory in that man. And when he looked at the heart of the rich man, he saw nothing. So, essentially, we see that when we're looking at the glory of the latter house, or the glory of the latter temple, we are looking at it from the perspective of God. Again, I must refer us to what we discussed at the introduction of our study on the book of Haggai. That is, that the book of Haggai has a physical and historical aspect, and it has a spiritual and eternal aspect. Historically and in a physical sense, God was referring to the temple that Zerubbabel was building. But in a spiritual and eternal sense, God is referring to you and I as his temple. By the grace of God, when next we meet, we shall be looking at this aspect of the historical and the spiritual. And I trust that Almighty God will help us to have a better understanding of what he is saying when he says, The glory of the latter temple shall be greater than the glory of the former. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for our meeting today. Thank you for giving us understanding of what you mean by glory and how you assess glory in our lives and in your building. I pray, Almighty and everlasting God, that you will help us to appreciate your glory, even when it may not seem apparent that your glory is in a place. Help us to also understand when you are not in a place, even though it may look glorious in our eyes. I pray, Almighty and everlasting God, that you help us to understand that it is Christ in us that gives us the hope that we will reign with you in glory. That it is not about the church that we are attending or the denomination or the pastor, but that it is Christ in us that is the hope of our glory. Thank you, everlasting Father. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen.